0: That Triathlon Show, episode 2. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the triathlon podcast produced by Scientific Triathlon. I'm your host, Michael Erickson, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the eight-step framework that I use to make sure that my triathlon training remains highly effective for a busy life. We're not professional triathletes, most of us listening to this show anyway, so we need to make sure that we get the most bang for our training buck. And that's what this episode is all about. So obviously with an eight-step framework to effective triathlon training, that's such a large concept, right? So we can't go into much detail on one short podcast episode especially since I'm trying to keep these solo episodes short and to the point but remember I do take all the show notes for you so you can just go to thattriathlonshow.com and check them out and also for a more in-depth resource about this eight-step framework you can go to scientifictriathlon.com forward slash effective And uh, I made a video series that you can watch there where I go into much more detail in each of these specific steps. So with that said, let's dive right into the content of today's episode. So the eight steps that I believe every effective triathlon training program and more importantly triathlon training lifestyle needs to contain are first... The distinction between high-value and low-value workouts. Second, a periodized approach to training. And that doesn't look the same for everybody, but there needs to be variation in the training that you do from month to month and year to year. Next, we have a smart structure to your training week. And by that, I mean that what you do on which days of the week does matter. And then our fourth point is ancillary training. So things like strength and conditioning, stretching, foam rolling, that kind of stuff. And next, nutrition. This is a big one, as I'm sure you appreciate. And we have a couple of really great nutritionists and dietitians coming on in the, in the next few weeks on, on the show to talk more in depth about this topic. Maybe even bigger than nutrition and certainly not as well appreciated in the triathlon community, is recovery. This is where things go wrong for so many triathletes, and I'm talking about age groupers here, not professionals. The next part of the framework is time management. So this is something that when you try to, try to puzzle in your training around a very busy life, you absolutely need to develop some time management skills. And finally, the last point in our framework is the tools. And this is where a lot of age groupers get to geek out a bit and really they know a lot they know every single specification of some technical tools that they use and love to talk about them and and discuss them on social media and forums but and it's fun it's it's good it if it keeps you motivated and keeps the interest up it's completely fine but to be honest the tools they need to be addressed in an effective triathlon training plan and there are some things that we definitely need to have in place but they shouldn't take up a large part of this framework. So with this short introduction over with, let's dive right into high value versus low value workouts. So for age group triathletes with busy schedules and limited time for training, it's extremely important to maximize training ROI, return on investment, and we do that by maximizing high-value workouts and minimizing low-value workouts. So let's talk a bit about what a high-value versus a low-value workout really is. I think that there are three things that makes a workout high-value. One, it provides a big boost in fitness. Or two, it is highly specific for your goals. Or three, it works on your personal limiters. And it might do several of these things or it might do just one... ...and it can still be an extremely high-value workout. And conversely, a low-value workout is one that doesn't do any one of those things. It's important to put the concept of high-value workouts... ...into context of your current triathlon abilities. So, for example, if you are fairly new to triathlon and to endurance sports in general... Just regular easy jogging in zone one or zone two if you use a five zone system can be high value workouts because it both provides big boosts in fitness because you're working on your endurance which is probably it has a lot of room for development and it's also probably a personal limiter for you. So that's great. But for somebody who is very fit and has very limited time to train There could be some of those workouts in there but it definitely shouldn't be exaggerated at the expense of workouts like interval workouts and threshold type workouts that probably will provide a bigger return on investment. So here are a few short guidelines for what high value workouts can look like. For maximal fitness boost you could do high intensity workouts with intervals and threshold type workouts or you could do longer workouts that really challenge your endurance and going longer than you're used to. And to maximize your specificity towards your goals, you could do workouts that practice race pace and practice race-like conditions like weather, terrain, and nutrition. But I do believe that there's a limitation to how much value you can get from doing these very race-specific workouts. To some extent, you get a lot of value from them. But don't focus too much on these race-specific workouts because it might come at the expense of developing your physiological capacity. And finally, workouts that work your personal limiters might be technical work on the swim, bike and run. It might be, it might be just practicing a specific sort of pace or intensity like if you feel that your high end is really lacking and you need it because you focus on short course triathlons then that might be something that you work extensively on you get the idea so finally a few common mistakes that people do when it comes to high value versus low value workouts first i would say that in swimming especially there are very common mistakes are just in continuous lap swimming and that's is only high value for a few times and after that it becomes very low value you don't get the specific endurance that you need in triathlon and you don't work your technique at all but another common mistake is working on technique but not really focusing on the technical aspects that are important to you so you might read a magazine and read about some drills and do them but you don't know whether that is what what's holding you back in your swimming so you need to know the purpose of ...your workouts and why are you doing these drills... ...if that is what you're doing in, in your swim training. And another common mistake is that... Some, ...many triathletes work way too much... ...on building an endurance base, so to say, with easy training... ...and it can only take you so far really... ...and when you work a limited amount of hours per per week... ...then you fairly quickly reach that level... ...where you need to add on those extra layers of more intense work... And another thing is that triathletes these days, they really train year-round. So the concept of building a base first, it's generally a lot of triathletes that have been at this game for a couple of years, they have that base already. Those are my two cents. And our next part of the framework is periodization. And as you're probably well aware, this is such a big topic that there's no way that I can cover it. much detail here so i'll just refer you first of all to last episode episode one with joe friel because we talked extensively about periodization on that show and joe has massive knowledge about that so go and have listened to episode one and also a few main principles when it comes to periodization the first is specificity the closer you get to your goal race the more race-specific your training should become. We also have the principle of individuality. So the periodization should take the unique needs of each individual athlete into account. So that's why you can't just follow generic periodization plans because they might not apply to you. Every single athlete has a different way to periodize. Every athlete needs to periodize their training, but it doesn't happen in the same way. It might look very different from athlete A to athlete B. And by the way, I have borrowed these principles from the Triathletes training Bible by Joe Friel, so credit where credit's due. But uh, yeah, the next one is principle of reversibility. So that means simply that the fitness elements that you gain in earlier periods of your training should be maintained in subsequent periods. And in practice, this usually means that there's never a single phase of training where you do just one type of training, unless you're a very elite athlete. We talked about this with Joe on the last show with block periodization. But for age groupers, you will often have a mix of different intensities and types of training that you will do in each phase but the emphasis will shift from one phase of your season to the next. And the final periodization principle is that of progressive overload and that means simply that to develop and improve your physiological capabilities you need to put those physiological systems under stress that they haven't experienced before so that they can build themselves up again and become stronger. So throughout a season, that means that when you first start after an, an off season, you will you will go easy and not do too much training, prepare to train. But then as you go through your season and get more training in your in your body, then you can start to add that load because your body is ready to absorb it. And the way to become fitter is to to put the body under that stress, under that load, and that will provide the stimulus that the body needs to adapt to the load. And that results in increased fitness. And next part of the framework of effective triathlon training is to structure your training week properly. Most of us work in weekly cycles which is natural, that's just the way the world works. So I definitely don't discourage that at all, even though there are alternatives like 9 or 10 day cycles. But anyway, when you work with a weekly cycle, there are three rules that I consider very important. You should spread out your workout days and your rest days. So you wouldn't train five days straight and then have two rest days in a row. You would rather drip feed those rest days on let's say a Tuesday and a Friday and then have the rest of your days be training days so that they are evenly distributed you should also spread out your workouts within each discipline and that means for example if you do two runs per week then don't do them on Monday and Tuesday and then have five rest days and don't even do them on Monday and Wednesday rather you would again distribute them evenly so Monday and Thursday would be ideal here so have two days in between and then three days in between runs. And finally you should spread out your harder days and your easier days evenly as well throughout the week. So harder days might mean higher training volume or higher training intensity or higher training stress overall. So that might be a combination of volume and intensity. So a double day of two easy workouts might be a hard day because the total stress is higher than on your normal days depending on the way you train like and you need to to make that decision depending on the training that you do, which days are hard and which ones are easy, and then distribute them evenly over the week. Okay, so we're moving along nicely here. We're already on point four of the eight-point framework, and that is ancillary training. And ancillary training can be many different things, but strength and conditioning is perhaps the most relevant one. And with strength and conditioning, I think there's a very strong consensus in the triathlon community that core training should be an essential part of any triathlon training program. And I actually have a specific core training routine that I developed for myself first and then made available with videos and instructions. If you go to scientifictriathlon.com and scroll down a bit on the front page, you will find it so you can download it there. But other than core training, there's also weight training, which definitely may have its place in a good, effective training program. It may be very effective, but I would say that it depends on the individual and where you are in your triathlon journey. Beginners probably not so much benefit from from weight training as more advanced triathletes may do. But it's not always the case, though. So you need to figure that out, hopefully, with your coach or somebody knowledgeable about your specific needs and plyometrics is another way that you can do high-value ancillary training so there's a lot of evidence that plyometrics is very very effective training especially for for running economy but in addition to strength and conditioning you can do things like stretching and yoga to improve improve flexibility and mobility Not that flexibility and mobility by themselves would make you a faster triathlete. There's no good evidence for that. But they may be limiters that hold you back in some cases. So that's it's more a case of reducing the limiting effects that they may have on you than actually trying to gain big performance improvements from from those modalities. And of course, although again the evidence is not really out there for stretching, especially not static stretching, if it really does prevent injury or can help with rehabilitation from injury. Whatever the case may be, there is plenty of anecdotal evidence for it. So even though I'm a science guy myself and I know that it's not necessarily scientifically proven that stretching actually helps, I do stretching definitely to keep injury-free. And anecdotally, I would say that it works. So Well, I'm going to do it, even if the science doesn't always support it. And finally, one thing that I think is extremely important and that not many triathletes do is mental training. And even something as simple as take two, three minutes before your important training sessions and visualize yourself going through those training sessions. And take for the few weeks leading up to a race, before you go to bed, take a few minutes to visualize yourself going through the race those sorts of things are actually huge and it might sound sound like woo-woo to you, but it's not and we have there's definitely proof that this stuff works. And one show that we have coming up in in future weeks is with Justin Ross, who's a sports psychologist. And stay tuned for that one because it's a good one and Justin has a lot of really great advice and mental training definitely something that you can get big benefits from and remember it's just a couple of minutes before a few key workouts and then a few minutes a night the weeks leading up to your race that's you don't need to do any more than that so that's definitely what i would call high roi training okay next point nutrition this is often the elephant in the room and for (laughs) for that reason and because it's such a broad subject again i will cover it very briefly here you can go to the show notes on thattriathlonshow.com, and uh, go to this episode, episode two, and I'll link to an ebook that I wrote with more specific details about nutrition for triathletes. And also, again, in future episodes, we have great nutritionists coming on that will tell us more about about it. But the few key points that I want to cover are: one, forget the word diet. Don't go on any diets when you are a triathlete. You don't need to limit yourself unless you have special reasons like allergies or ethical reasons, you're a vegan or vegetarian for those reasons. that's, That's completely fine, but don't do any other limitations in the macronutrients that you eat, for example. So just focus on eating high quality food. So that includes a lot of fruits and vegetables, lean meats and fish, nuts and seeds, Whole grains, dairy, and avoid low quality foods like refined grains, sweets, fried foods, and fatty proteins. Timing of nutrition is another very important point, and I encourage you to eat early and eat often. So start the day with a good breakfast. Unless you have a light training session in the morning, it's fine to go fasted in those sorts of sessions but but if not if you're training in the afternoon you should start your day with a good solid breakfast and have a proper lunch and you can eat maybe slightly less towards the evening and front shift your eating and then hugely important is to fuel properly for your key workouts so make sure that you get some carbs in you a couple of hours before or have a proper meal actually within let's say three or four hours before your key workouts with a good amount of carbs and maybe a snack like a banana or something, maybe an hour and a half before the key workout so that you can really maximize the effect that you get from that workout. And after the workout, post-workout nutrition is huge, especially for both for adapting to that stress and actually becoming fitter as a result of the workout but also for recovery so that you can perform well in your next session. So that post-workout recovery nutrition should contain both carbs and protein. And if you want to throw around ratios, then I guess a 4 to 1 ratio of carbs to protein is a standard one. I don't think it matters very much if it's a 4 to 1, 3 to 1, even 2 to 1 or a 5 to 1. But as long as you get carbs and protein, And with protein, one thing that I want to say is that there's a lot of marketing hype going on around protein at the moment. One thing that you should keep in mind is that your body can only absorb so much protein in one go. So try to spread it out throughout the day and get smaller amounts of it. And forget those post-workout recovery drinks with like 40 or 50 grams of protein, because half of that is going to waste. 20 to 25 grams is plenty. That's all you need even after hard workouts. And that's what you should probably aim to get that 20 to 25 grams with each meal as well, with breakfast, lunch and dinner. And don't just skip it for lunch and breakfast and have it all for dinner with a big, big piece of steak. I guess the main takeaway is that you should have a healthy balance of all three macronutrients. You need carbs, you need proteins and you need fats, but you should make them healthy, carbs proteins and fats and that way you don't need to go on any crazy diets or anything as long as the food that you eat is quality and remember the timing of it all and fueling for recovery i also encourage you to pick up matt fitzgerald's book the endurance diet it's a new one and it's extremely good so you should go and get that if you're interested in nutrition and this next one is another biggie recovery there's just no way that you will get fitter if you don't recover from your workouts. There's a very good quote that goes, "Workouts don't make you stronger. Recovering from workouts makes you stronger." And it's definitely true in every sense of of the saying. And the one thing that you should do to recover well, it's sleep. It's simple as that. Get your seven to nine hours of sleep, or if you can, get ten. But It's going to be individual, how much sleep you need. But for most endurance athletes, I would say seven is is the bare minimum. And ideally try to get a nap in as well if you can. Some workplaces have, have that built in and it might be good for your work performance as well to get that afternoon nap in. And after sleep, then we have nutrition is very important for recovery, especially if you train a fair amount, at least every day. Then how you fuel post-workout as we just talked about is going to be very important and crucial for how you perform the next day. So you need to get that post-workout nutrition in as soon as possible after you finish your hard workouts or your recovery will probably be compromised. And of course your training also plays a big part in recovery in that you should include rest days and lighter training weeks or at least a few days here and there every 10 days to three weeks or so and that will help you absorb the hard training that you will do later much better compared to if you just go try to go hard all the time but in reality what you're doing is that you're limiting your body's ability to go really hard when it matters. So training smart and varying the intensity and including strategic recovery training in your training program is huge. And finally we have some let's call them ancillary recovery techniques like getting your feet up after training sessions, compression wear, ice baths or hot cold shower. Again, the science is or the jury is really out there on ice baths, whether there's any. I guess the point is that these are just the icing on the cake really or even less than that. Get your sleep right, get your nutrition right and a good smart training program with strategic recovery. And then you can try to include these things and see if you can improve things even further. But before you nail those first three things, there's no use trying any of these ancillary recovery techniques. And we could also talk about measuring recovery with, for example, heart rate variability or HRV. But for most triathletes, it's enough to feel fresh when you wake up, feel reinvigorated, feel that you are performing in your workouts and that you're not stagnant, feel motivated. If you're not motivated, that can be a good sign that your your recovery is compromised. So those sorts of things are, are things that you should be on the lookout for. And just in case anybody has missed it, the reason that you really, really need to make recovery a priority as much as training is that unless you do that, you definitely won't see any improved fitness. You'll probably see decreased performance at some point. You might get to an overtraining state and you will be very susceptible to to injuries and illness. And that's not something that anybody wants. So make recovery a priority. All right. So time management is the next point in the framework. And That is very important because as age trip triathletes, we try to fit triathlon in around otherwise very busy life with, for most of us, a career, family, other obligations and things that we take on. So other hobbies even. So we need to be effective with our time and make sure that we get our training in as well as we can, despite those other factors that come into play. So the first point that I want to make is to really schedule everything. What gets scheduled gets done. It's as simple as that. So put it in your calendar, put your bike workouts, put an appointment with yourself in your calendar. Write bike workout at 6am in the morning if that's when you intend to do it. And it's much more likely to happen than if you don't schedule it. And then the next point really is to periodize effectively and remembering that you don't need to train big volumes year round even if you let's say you're training for an Ironman that doesn't mean that the entire year should be high volume training so you might need to train less hours than you actually think related to that is the third point which is getting a coach a coach will make sure that you only do the training that is absolutely necessary and train effectively so that is and also you don't have to spend any time planning your training and that in itself is a great time saver you can use your commute, so you can run to work or you can bike to work and, and you can not swim to work for most of us, but you get the point. You just need to plan your logistics a bit with bringing change, clothes and uh, and maybe food and stuff like that. But for most of us, there are ways to work around that. Using indoor training is very effective. So, for example, on the bike, indoor training is generally much more time effective than outdoor training both in terms of the setup and the after workout cleaning of the bike that is required and also 60 minutes of indoor training is roughly 90 minutes of outdoor training in terms of the training effect that you get and batch cooking is something that I advise if you're really busy so to make sure that you don't need to Waste any time, not waste, it it can be fun, but that you don't need to, unless you really want to, spend time cooking in the week. Maybe you cook all the meals for the coming week on Sunday evening and then you're good to go and have some more time training and spending time with your family during the week. And finally, remembering that something is better than nothing. So if you don't have time for that hour workout you had planned, cut the warm up and cut the cool down. It's okay to do that from time to time and just get into a 30 minute main set. And in the end, this comes back to consistency. Consistency is king. And getting that 30-minute workout rather than missing missing out altogether, it's going to be very beneficial in the long run. And finally, we all know that if you want to chop wood, then you need to spend some time sharpening your axe. And in triathlon, that is the analogy that I use for the tools that you use to make your training effective. And You don't need to spend a lot of money on tools. That's not the point. Definitely not. I think that you can get by with a very minimum amount of equipment. But if you have some amount of money to spend on some tools, there are things that can make your training more effective that you could go and have a look at. And the things that I would advise that you consider investing in, if that is your situation, would be first and foremost a multi-sport watch and the heart rate strap, because that's very universal. You can use a multi-sport watch to get data from your swimming, biking, and running, and the heart rate monitor can be used both for running and biking. So it's just so useful. The second one would be the indoor trainer. I just can't sing the praises of indoor trainers enough. The workouts that you can do on indoor trainers are so extremely effective, and so targeted, so Accurate in terms of the power prescriptions and outputs that you can produce, and no annoying traffic or traffic lights or terrain that comes in the way of you executing the workout that you plan to do and that will bring you the most effective training results. That's why I love the indoor trainer and I think that it's extremely useful. Maybe not as fun, so. You can skip it if you want and if you have access to really good outdoor biking. But yeah, I will always use an indoor trainer a lot in my training. The third tool, if I'm allowed to call my coach a tool, then that would be coaching, definitely. And uh, definitely, I think that coaching is the greatest investment you can make. It's not cheap, but it's Going to bring you so much better results than anything else that you can invest in and don't even consider getting a set of new bike wheels or an aero helmet or a really expensive bike altogether for that matter before you have invested in coaching because while you can save a minute maybe over 40k on the bike with those tools the time that you can save by getting effective training advice from a coach is it just blows that those other investments out of the water and then Gear that keeps triathlon fun. So if you know that, if you want something, if you if you like a bit of tech, then by all means you should go ahead and get it because the point of triathlon is that it should be fun. So definitely go ahead and get anything that you want, but don't get overwhelmed with it and don't try to read too much into everything. And one other thing that I definitely encourage you to have a look at is uh, the TrainingPeaks software. At least if you want to get insights into your training and your training data, then TrainingPeaks is definitely... I have looked into a lot of softwares, but TrainingPeaks is by far the gold standard. The one that you should use if you use anything beyond a regular Excel spreadsheet or wherever you record your training otherwise. And obviously there are a lot of other useful tools and I'll just list a few here but if you want more info you can just send me an email at michael at scientifictraflan.com and uh, you can ask more about these tools because I won't go into much detail here. But the other ones that I would get or investigate is TrainerRoad which is a software for indoor cycling training and a power meter. Power meter is that is a great tool. It's expensive That that's an issue but but it will bring you a lot of return on investment. Finish tempo trainer metronome for swimming, so that's that's really useful and the swimming toys that I would get if I were to get any would be the snorkel, pool boy, and ankle strap, a foam roller for injury prevention, and I also have an ebook again for my favorite tools for triathletes so i'll link to that again in the show notes so you can go and have a look at that and see get some more in-depth information about my recommended tools and resources and one more thing would be to again don't bother with a, really a lot of expensive equipment because the return of investment on that money is not really not that great it, it's really when you're we're talking about marginal gains here so you really need to be certain that you've accomplished a lot of what you can accomplish physiologically with your training before you go and make those investments. All right so we're approaching a wrap-up here and I'll just again repeat the eight parts of the framework for effective triathlon training and remember go to scientifictriathlon.com forward slash effective to get the full Training, and uh, you can go to the show notes on thattriathlonshow.com to get more info on this episode. But the eight topics that we discussed were high value versus low value workouts, periodization of training, planning your training week, ancillary training, nutrition, recovery, time management, and finally tools. And on the next episode of that Triathlon Show, we will talk to Jerry Rodriguez, who is one of the foremost triathlon swim coaches around and he is the host of the tower 26 be race ready podcast about triathlon swimming and he has a lot of experience and wisdom when it comes to coaching triathletes to better swim times i really really admire jerry and his teaching, so it's a good episode so one final thing since this is a new podcast and i spent a heck of a lot of time producing it creating it I would appreciate it if you could tell your triathlon friends about it. So go ahead and help me spread the word about the podcast. I would really, really appreciate it. And don't forget that on thattriathlonshow.com, you can enter a competition to win a $50 Amazon gift card that you can spend on whatever you like. I would suggest triathlon books, but it's up to you. And you do that by, you can find the, complete instructions on that triathlonshow.com but basically you just go and subscribe rate and review to the podcast in itunes or on your favorite podcast player app all right that's all i had for today thank you so very much for listening to this show i really really appreciate you for doing this keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.